Whether you suffer from depression, anxiety, feel stuck, or lack motivation, it all starts in the mind. We're on a quest to help us break through life's most challenging obstacles. No matter who we are or what we hope to achieve, clarity, joy, and self-love will help us lead the way. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Mind Reboot Program and Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alex Hare, owner and therapist at Optimum Joy Clinical Counseling. Alex, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah. No, it's my pleasure and our pleasure uh, to talk about what you're doing, doing some really great things for people. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me about um, Optimum Joy mm-hmm. and what you do there and the work that you guys are doing. Yeah. You know, Optimum Joy feels to me like it was birthed out of some of my own personal development because... I didn't anticipate being in private practice. I kind of grew up in mental health in the, um, what we call community mental health. So under-resourced communities, um, really kind of neighborhood-based. And it was out of my own burnout. I was really, really burnt out, super tired, quit my job, didn't have another one. At one point in time, Tony, I had, I think, $275 to my name, Nice, actually, uh, living in my sister's apartment, mooching off her. And... I think that as I just rested and recovered, I really just started to kind of think up, what, who am I? What are my values? What do I want this to be? And to really kind of create what is a for-profit business, but one that does a lot of good and really supports people's growth. Because psychology is very, it can be like what we call psychopathology or deficit-based and to really kind of create um, something from more of the, the counseling world, which views it as a developmental, um, I don't want to say problem, it, it just views it as more developmental and how can you grow forward. So we do a lot of things kind of based on that as our one of our kind of uh, sounding boards. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So when, like, I guess when, it, when do your clients come see you? At what point? You know, is it something that is part of just a healthy practice to have in your life or is it more like you know, I'm, I'm trying to overcome something traumatic that's happened. You know, maybe a little bit of both. Now more, it's becoming more the norm to seek out a support person, like a therapist as a preventative practice sure. where, you know, you and like just to create a uh, healthy living. And we always have opportunity for growth, right? I would say still majority, even though that's kind of transitioning as a trend to be more preventative, I would say the majority of people have some type of pain point, sure. whether it's a relationship or they feel stuck or um, they have like some anxiety or depressive symptoms or a traumatic event happens. Usually there's some type of what I like to call crisis, um, even if it's really minor, that really propels people to start counseling. There, yeah. Exactly. For sure. We really hope to transition it into more of a preventative approach, even if it starts out as crisis, because that's where like what we call depth work happens, where you really kind of dig into your inner world and why you are the way you are Absolutely. and how you show up in the world. So, Well, I think showing up is just a great point because, you know, it, it, the crises oftentimes happens as a result of not being prepared or never, you know, having that conversation or, or even a thought, right? We never even thought to think this one thing or whatever, right? But just having someone in that corner, it almost sounds like you're kind of a, a mind coach, right? <laughs> or a thought coach in some, yeah. th- in some extent, right? In some regard. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of, um, there's a lot of different like theoretical places you can come from and how you think about a person and the growth they need to do. But pretty much all of them incorporate what we call core beliefs. It's like at your gut level, what you believe about yourself. And sometimes it's things like I'm unlovable, um, 
uh, I'm trying to think of some other negative ones off the top of my head. <laughs> but honestly, a lot of them. Right? I'm not deserving. Um, I have to work to have acceptance. I am bad. You know, some of those really simple things that we, as normal people, don't say that we believe those things. But when you really start looking at behaviors and thoughts and digging deep, that unfortunately is a lot of our um, operating manual. Just because life has a way of teaching us the that we're not worthwhile. And sometimes our brains are a little programmed to look for that. Sure. Especially kind of depending on your your childhood, your family of origin. You can have the most perfect family and still have a core belief of I'm unlovable. Yeah. No, very, very true. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear it more often than not, I think. Yeah. So like, what was it for you that... Um, First of all, what were you doing before you started your own practice, right? Mm-hmm. That that led you to want to start your own practice. Well, I never thought I'd be a therapist, actually. At I, all? No, I was more um, I was more medically minded. I was geared towards biology. Yeah. I think that the human body is so amazing, and I'm really thankful, honestly, for that background because it helps me understand some like the neuroscience behind. Well, you can't separate one from the other. I mean, you can't. The mind body connection is so strong, and when you Interact with one, you interact with the other. 100%. So when you intervene with one, you actually intervene with the other two. Um, but I I actually at some point in time um, was literally sought out, interviewed at schools to be a large animal veterinarian. I'm obviously not. Um, <laughs> thankfully. Of, right? What was that? S- sort of. Kind <laughs> of. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. No, I'm only teaching. I'm only teaching. That's, a, that's actually very true. I am a large animal veterinarian <laughs> of sorts. Um, but I went through a really difficult time when I was like 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Um, I know you and I were talking offline just about an experience I had in being really excommunicated from a religious community and put on the outside of everything I used to define myself. The world you knew, right? The world I knew. Yeah. So to have to reconstruct. And, and not, to, not to cut you off, but this yeah. is all happening in Northeast Missouri, right? Northeast Missouri. Yeah. I okay. grew up on a farm in Missouri, the opposite of Chicago, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So, so we're now we're in Missouri and, and now we're in 16, Missouri. 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was a super lonely time. I will never regret it because I think it really um, taught me a lot about who I am. Um, from like a spiritual component, my personality really emerged, I think in that time. But, um, when you're, I was stripped of everything I knew about myself and had to really rebuild it. And there was a woman who was so, she wasn't a therapist, but she was so helpful to me. And I really, um, I, I, I kind of credit her with saving my soul, whether she would say that or not, Wow. because no matter what I was doing, that was, um, probably unhealthy, she would still be like, okay, she would hear me out and she'd be like, now where are you headed? Where are you going? And that pers- that really, even though she wasn't a therapist, that changed things for me. So I started to think, you know, maybe I will do this profession of helping people, but I still, it was progressive for me to realize step along the way to get to owning a private practice here in Chicago. So it wasn't like I just had this dream and I went out for it. It was more like step by step that really was revealed to me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So at that point, were you like, hey, I'm I'm now going to choose this path or still going to college? Were you not already clear on that? I started, um, you know, I was kind of all over the place education wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, community college. I lived in Champaign, Illinois and was doing classes there. Oh. I just really didn't have a clear concept. And then all this stuff was going on. So I ended up um, studying psychology 
in my undergrad, which you can't do much with as an undergrad. You got to go on for grad school. And I actually thought maybe I would do like pastoral type of counseling, like really integrating people's spiritual lives. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I had a professor who was like wonderfully kind of in like just a wonderful human being in his spiritual practices and as a licensed therapist. So then it was like, oh, maybe I'll be a licensed therapist, you know? And then I um, wanted to do uh, member care for missionaries. So it's like mental health for missionaries and be like a global person. Um, So that's what I went to grad school for. And then at the end of grad school, I was really just focused on my student loans. I had to get this away, (laughs) you know, before you can go be a global. Yeah. Yeah. So it just like bit by bit. So then I was in community mental health and then I was burnt out. So then it was like, it was private practice. Interesting. Yeah. What, What do you love most about what you do now? Oh, man. Well, um, and I know you're doing a lot less of the actual clinical work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have kind of a limited caseload at this point in time. I miss it because my regularly talking with people about their lives taught me so much about my own. For sure. And um, there's like a rhythm to that. That was so it was just like a really it's a beautiful rhythm in life. Um, but now you know, what was your question, Tony? What did you just say? <laughs> what do you love most about what you <laughs> what do? What do I love most? I kind of lost track of it thinking no, about how much yeah, I miss yeah. being a therapist. <laughs> um, I really love the therapists I get to work with. My uh, Like our staff at Optimum Joy, they're just, that's most of my job now is to support them. We're really kind of a clinician first practice because yeah. I think if we take care of our therapists, then our, then our clients by extension are really well of taken course, care of, you know? Um, so I think I really love just the, the therapists that I get to work with. Now, in terms of the, the therapy, I guess, you know, I, I mean, you're dealing with different therapists, so I'm sure there's mm-hmm. different approaches, personalities Absolutely. that go into it. But, you know, generally speaking, what is it that, uh, I guess, those tenets or those principles that you guys stand on that, regardless of, of who you see, really is what you're getting when um, you work with Optimum Joy? Yeah. So something that I think our practice does well is we, we have a pretty collaborative staff it's really not uncommon for someone to see a provider on our staff, let's say for, you know, anxiety or more OCD thoughts. And then to realize that like a trauma, trauma is getting in the way of it and kind of either add in trauma work with a different therapist as an adjunct or just transition, see the trauma therapist for a second, come back to the anxiety specialist. So the fact that we have a lot of different providers under one roof who collaborate together is I think so important but, um, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a hot topic to say you're a diverse practice now. Um, but we really, that was one of the things that back when I was, you know, $275 for my name, thinking up Optimum Joy, that was actually really important to me years ago in 2016. It wasn't that long ago, I guess, but it feels like <laughs> a forever ago to have that. So whether it's like gender or age or um, race and ethnicity or socioeconomic background, we really have, I think, some difference embedded in our therapists. And things like that actually really do matter. You know, um, for someone in the performing arts to be able to see a therapist who really understands the performing arts. Yeah. Is, it's even like, like that is an element of diversity as well as race, as well as age, all these other things. So, And in, in terms of, I guess, your own approach to mental health right it, it, it's one of the questions I, I i'm really trying to get to and understand are people's own lifestyle choices and habits right but what what, what do you do on a day what is your i guess some of those habits look like for you from when you wake up you know exercise wise diet you know that that you've incorporated that really work for you and you know you can't live without kind of thing 
Uh, I for sure cannot live without my sleep. I become a <laughs> terrible person if I don't get enough sleep. And I, you know, I'm one of four girls. We all joke around that we are like, we need so much sleep. I probably get like nine hours a night. That's awesome though. If I'm honest. Um, and I like, I love it. I can't wait sometimes to go to bed and like sleep deeply. And that has really helped. I don't know, like between energy, it just actually has created a, a healthy rhythm yeah. For my life, like when I'm tired, I actually go to bed instead of like mm. pushing myself through. And so that's been like a really important thing to like really prioritize my sleep. Do you have some sort of like sleep routine to help you get into it? You know, not necessarily. I could do better with that. Um, but my, you know, even like my phone automatically goes to do not disturb at 930. Yeah. And you have a program that way, right? I do. Yeah. yeah, it just and it doesn't um start dinging until seven thirty, you know. Right. So and I use my phone as my alarm. I should really get an alarm clock. Yeah. <laughs> so I can put my phone away from me. I feel but like most people do though. Yeah. And um so that's like just a practice that starts to you know, it really quiets my evening. Yeah. Um and I don't watch a ton of TV. I I will often like read a lot in the evenings or just different things. That's like pretty that. relaxing as it is. Yeah, I do take you know I take magnesium. My doctor recommended magnesium as a. You're supplement. saying that's like a game changer for you. It's right? a game changer. I almost can't like probably twenty of my friends now take magnesium. I know, you were pushing it on me hard. I was pushing it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just it's like you gotta you gotta take it. Dude. You gotta because, do it. You gotta Everybody's take it. doing it. Everybody's taking magnesium. You gotta try it. Um. <laughs> But it, but it's, but it's, you've noticed it, right? I mean, is it the quality of immensely? Sleep? Is it, yeah, is it falling um, faster? All of the above. So there's like a few different things. I will say the biggest thing that feels most important to me is it actually quiets my mind. I'm a, I have a very active internal world, yeah. a rich inner world, some might say. But um, and it's I'm more common than not though for people. Absolutely, to that, right? and because I don't have a really good wind down routine, sometimes I'll just like do stuff right until I just go to bed. But my mind is not ready to go to bed. Yeah. And I've noticed magnesium really actually quiet. It like kind of calms down my mind in a way. Hmm. And um, although I was like a good sleeper before, there's something about it that like I have the deepest sleep I've ever had in my life. That's awesome. It's though. amazing. And also, you know, it really, it has like some gut health benefits too. Um, just like in like keeping you regular and all those different things because your uh, your gut actually reabsorbs like hormones and um, neurotransmitters and all that different stuff, but it wasn't meant to be reabsorbed. I think especially for female health, take like oh, estrogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your body tries to get if it has too much, it tries to get rid of it through like excreting, like gets it out. Yeah. And so if it sticks in your gut, your body actually reabsorbs that. And it's probably not as good as the as, first time around. Right? It's not as good as the first time around, and it's it's trying to get rid of it. Actually, so it's even just things like that that. So are you saying that magnesium is essentially <clears throat> helping you get rid of some of those? Absolutely. The toxins. Yeah, because it keeps it uh, like, you know, uh, didn't know we were talking about like being regular on your podcast, but essentially, no. like it's it's really important because that's like your you have the second largest concentration outside of your brain of nerve endings. Yep. And your they say it's like a dog-sized brain in your gut. Exactly, and those it actually communicates directly to like release more neurotransmitters. And I just found out recently, I'm pretty sure that your gut actually creates its own neurotransmitters, some yeah. of the things down there. So it's basically treating it like brain health. Well, so and the hormones too, right? That that absolutely. come from there. Like, so I mean, yeah, I, and yeah, 
gut health and all that all but but it's all connected right Absolutely. that if you if you eat something mm-hmm. like we talked about before alcohol with me and like mm-hmm. it just doesn't make me feel great but it starts in the gut i mean it's getting you know from point a to point all b yeah through the gut and so yep. you know that, that that plays such a vital role in that now do you incorporate that into your, your therapy like is any is the biology side of things mm-hmm. just as important as you know some of that talk therapy part uh from my perspective yes yeah so there's like a few different people who really kind of influenced me towards being a pretty much a neuroscience nerd. Um, I was maybe already predisposed a little bit with my biology For sure. uh, bent, but the more you could understand your brain and your body, I think the more, um, and just understand some of that, how it's like working, Yeah. the more you can actually incorporate things that are helpful and you can rule out what is just... Um, you know, not just, but what is more body-based versus what is more like thought-based. And so if you can really intervene in both those areas, you're going to see a lot more change um, from a holistic standpoint. You know, we really hold to, at the practice, we hold to, um, like all of counseling and psychology has to holds to biopsychosocial. So biology would be your physical body. Psycho would be your, like your emotional psychology, your emotional world. Um, social be your relationships, that those are a holistic person. But we kind of expand that to be biopsychosocial spiritual. Yeah. But really, um, the whole point of that is intervene in one, intervene in them all. So like if somebody is at Optimum Joy for counseling, it really might be as simple as like your sleep needs to be better so your physical body feels better. And if you improve your sleep you and your physical body, you improve all four in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So they're all interconnected. Absolutely. No, we, I mean, one of the things that I always identified as far as my, my own health was, you know, five tenets of your, your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and your relational well-being. Yeah. And it's if, but again, if one's suffering, then they're probably all they suffering. all suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just not really meant to be compartmentalized, isolated people. Yeah. So that's why you can be the healthiest person in the world physically, but if your relationships are off, yeah. then you feel terrible or like if you're if you're again the healthiest person but your sense of meaning and purpose which is a very spiritual um how, who am i how do i fit in the world yeah. if your sense of meaning and purpose is off the rest of them are off 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. so what about exercise what does that look like for you what's, what's your exercise of choice and mm-hmm. frequency all that what works for you you know um in my younger days <laughs> not that old, but in my younger days i used to be a little more intense Oh, my exercise yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like more high intensity training more high type. intensity and i still i actually really enjoy some high intensity um but i used to run a lot more okay um so i'm a little more in tune with my body now than i ever have been so sometimes it sometimes i am just being lazy let's be honest <laughs> but sometimes i'm just like you know what i think that like what my body is telling me is actually just taking a really long walk for sure with nothing in my ears just like being in my environment that that actually is what I need right now. And then sometimes it's like, okay, you need like an intense spin workout. Or sometimes it's like, okay, your body, my body really craves like lifting weights in some way. So it just really, it's, it's more, um, diverse than ever has been, but I actually use, uh, my ex fitness. I really love them because their coaches and their videos are very, like they have. Is it an app or just a service? Or? Um, it is an app, but you know, they come with a spin bike actually. Oh, uh, nice. it's like a different type of Peloton. For sure. But for sure. I really love their coaches because they are very holistic bent and it, like there's uh, meditations built in there as much as there is like, 
hit or kettlebell workouts nice. as much as there is you can like do a spin ride or like a rest and recovery ride you know so that's a very i i use them and i love it oh, that's awesome. i really love it yeah and then last one is uh your diet what a, what uh what kind of diet do you follow or prescribe yeah this is kind of you know tony this is a little um so i you know there's eating disorders are pretty rampant in my family growing up so i have oh, to be no really careful because while i maybe didn't have a full-blown eating disorder i do have some disordered eating tendencies so i have to be really really careful and watch myself because i am so i'm like into a fad diet you know like i'll try it i'm into it, and it's not good you know so it's been i've noticed kind of like in the more not being as intense listening to my body i also think i'm better at still working on it but better at just um really trying to like nourish and take care of my body in that way. So like I eat a lot, I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of fruit, um, not a lot of sugar. You know, I drink black coffee, yeah. some of those, I like it, but some people think that's torture. Um, <laughs> so just really trying to overall have like a really well-balanced, not a ton of sugar diet. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes when I am like with a friend and they, it's their birthday, I'm going to eat that piece of cake, you know? <laughs> Whereas before I'd be like, oh no, 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 you know? So it feels like I'm in a more healthy place with that. So, so, and not to get too far into that, yeah. you know, but is that something that is more, is it a, I guess, body image mm-hmm. issue or mm-hmm. is it like just, yeah, like kind of beating yourself up about sure. you know, eating. So it's not so much that you're eating. It's that almost like that you're not, like you said, not affording yourself that piece of cake simply on the premise of this, mm-hmm. these, these negative thoughts, right? Absolutely. As opposed to like, Hey, I'm going to eat it because, mm-hmm it's going to make me happy kind of thing. So sure. like, how do you balance that? It's almost like you treat yourself like your own patient. Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Um, well, let me, let me say this. I think some of that tendency is actually, um, I won't speak for all Eastern Europeans, but it's bound up a little bit in the fact that my mother's side is very Eastern European. And we have some views around, <laughs> we have some, um, strong views around direct, direct view, women, their bodies, the way they look, all this different stuff. Um, so some of that is like what has produced in a way the person that I am. Gotcha. But, um, you know, I, I think that some of it comes from a control standpoint. And for me, my life was really out of control for a while, especially in those 16, 17, 18 years. Mm -hmm. And I, literally kind of had people telling me in my own family and in my environment, uh, you're, you're a bad person in a way, Jeez. you know, when you go through like a really public humiliation and grow up in a, a family, you know, but I love my family. Um, we had some chaoticness going on. So I think for me, instead of maybe putting some of that, not blame, but putting some of that uh, where it belongs, I will just take on that pressure and be like, well, the only person I can control is me. Sure. So, um, and doing that in a really kind of unhelpful way. Well, it seems like you've found healthy ways now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figuring out and helping so many people do the same. Yeah. And you know, we're always, every single person, I think that, um, there's a lot of room for compassion, no matter where someone's at on their growth trajectory. Because for my own self, it's like I have seen myself struggle and I've seen myself grow. And I hope to grow the rest of my life. For sure. You know, so it's for me, I feel comfortable talking about some of these things that were hard because in a way that's just a testament to the fact that 
I have grown and I am growing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, being able to talk about it is such a, an indicator of that. And mm-hmm. you're very eloquent and truly just a, a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. And we're so excited you know, to have you on, on this podcast, but also for, for future ones and just being a part of our community. So um, if you're listening, though, and you resonate with what Alex has said and, and think you could benefit from you know, chatting with her or some of the therapists over at Optimum Joy, I encourage you to reach out. There's a form below that you can click out contact her directly but um alex thank you so so much uh for for doing this yeah happy to be here thanks a lot tony